2: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Fightful.com. Here with a name you know. You've seen him all over the place. You're going to see him at GCW Fight Forever on January 29th. But he's got a little bit of something special from from 10 to 12 p.m. of that 24-hour show. He's got a block of his own. It's Effie. How you doing?
3: Yo, I'm super good. I'm excited to be here and what fun reasons we have for it. I mean, this is... It's crazy because... They've done, you know, like big collections of shows, GCW has done collections of shows, right? But to do them all at once, constantly happening in succession, it's it's out of control because this is like 24 hours of nonstop wrestling. Everybody's brains are going to be melted by the end of this. And I begged Brett. I said, Brett, let me get this. He said, can you handle two full hours? I was like, yeah, definitely. I was like, I could probably fill three or four. Because the LGBTQ talent has been coming out of the woodwork and it's fantastic. There's so many more people to choose from and so many more people stepping up to the plate.
2: Uh, It's really awesome. I love the concept. It's to benefit wrestlers affected by COVID-19. It it adjusts their bookings. I mean, before all this happened, people like yourself and Alley Cat, who we were talking about before we went on the air, we're talking like three, four bookings almost every single week. I mean, like it was, it was unreal. That's had to have faced a significant change, even though I know you're still a heavily booked a heavily booked person.
3: Yeah, I definitely changed my whole outlook, and I left my real big boy job, like, right at the end of February. Oh. Uh, so I moved to Atlanta. The plan was to move to Atlanta. I was, like you said, I was booked a lot. I was doing fine. And I was like, well, I can leave my corporate job and start living my fantasy. And, of course, I leave the job, and immediately we're in the middle of COVID, which, like, this isn't a woe is me because it lit a fire under my ass. It was like, you have bills to pay. You better figure this out. And so like with the help of GCW, like putting on these shows that are as far as I can tell safe, here's the thing is like, nothing is safe during COVID, but, I'm someone who's gone to all these shows, who's been at all these shows, who's followed the protocols. I haven't gotten COVID once. There's a lot of people who go out and do a lot of different stuff. There's people who are going to go to the grocery store and catch it. There's people who are going to go out and uh, hang with friends with two or three people and catch it. During this time to step up like that and to take all the proper precaution as much as possible, it's been really awesome. And it's been um, definitely a weird ride to see this country in the middle of a pandemic like this, because I've kind of seen it at all levels, you know? Yeah,
2: and I mean, I, I spoke to Brett Lauderdale for over an hour when he caught heat from, from stuff about the collective and the way that they've adjusted. I respect that an awful lot. They're, they're going to not only just to protect the talent, but to help the talent in this time, 24 hours. And you, you mentioned you moved to Atlanta. W- what is it with all these wrestlers turned Twitch streamers moving to Atlanta? There's you and Zicky. Like, I know. Are you, I all, can are you all starting to come a stable?
3: In. What's going on well, out here? We, we actually are starting a stable and we're probably going to start uh, causing a little more of a ruckus because we've got our first booking as a tag team to also come in oh, nice. and do a seminar together, which some people are going, how could those two assholes do a seminar? But if you look at the tax returns this year, which we'll release them if we really need to, <laughs> there's not a lot of people who aren't locked up somewhere who aren't, you know, with a company full-time that are doing the kind of money we're doing and it's not because oh there's so much money and I'm getting a million dollars per match it's because we figured out a way to move ourselves around to use the skills that we have in wrestling and the personalities we have to kind of make bigger impacts at other places and why are they coming to Atlanta I mean ask Tyler Perry the man built a whole uh, empire of a of a movie studio down here in Atlanta and it's because it's a little bit cheaper down here. The airport is really good. And the weather is perfect. So even when it's cold right now, you know, I just got back from Pennsylvania doing tapings with IWTV. And it was like 22 degrees here and Atlanta cold is like 49 in the morning and hopefully 60 by the afternoon. So it's constantly, you know, pleasant enough to be here.
2: I constantly tell people, like, I would not be able to do what I'm doing right now as a full-time job if I didn't live in, like, the Midwest or the South. Being in Kentucky changes it. If I lived in L.A. or New York City or Chicago, there's no way I would have been able to to make the adjustments necessary to pursue this full-time. And I I like seeing that. I mean, there, plus, there's plenty of places for you to get booked around Atlanta, Florida, all that Yeah. Stuff.
3: Of course. And it has been fun getting back into Georgia wrestling. Like that's where I started. When I debuted in 2014, especially like 2014 into 2015, I was eating up Georgia wrestling. And Georgia wrestling did not like me. I mean, <laughs> I remember reading reviews, and they were just, he's a garbage wrestler. He's you know, he's just going for shock factor, he's doing his own thing, he's not wrestling like anyone else. And now they sort of say the same thing, but they're trying to kiss my ass because they're excited I came back. And if I'm 20 or 30 minutes down the road, I'll work things out. So it's it's a good shift to see, and it's nice. To come back in and sort of remind people who are in Georgia wrestling. This has sort of been the joke I have. If they tell me they go, Oh, I've been training here, I graduated from here, I've been working with this trainer. I go, well, here's the one thing they won't teach you. You can do whatever the fuck you want in that ring. And if it's entertaining, then they'll catch on and it'll work. And if it's not, then you'll be told abruptly, you know, that it doesn't work. But give it a try. There's really, there's no way to stick to what Georgia wrestling was forever and change it and make it grow to something that's, you know, a little more modern.
2: With those reviews, were, were those ever the cage
3: match.net reviews? It was always, it was always some, you know, some guys blog, they would send me. And of course, like when you're starting out, like you're not getting a lot of press mentions. And so yeah. the ones that you are getting and you're like, oh man, you know, I'm trying at this. I know I'm a little bit pointy, but, uh. But it it, it it never feels good. But you come back in and you kind of go, you know what? These these are just people who want to be heard. It's a yeah. bigger, there's a bigger societal thing that I, I have to remind a lot of promoters. I have to remind a lot of wrestlers. We're living in a country and the biggest the biggest symptom overall is that everybody thinks they're kind of the main character. And because of that, everybody wants to be heard. And since nobody's listening, what we figured out is, if you say the things that are mean, they get picked up a lot quicker, and they get picked up with a lot more fervor and heat behind them. So these people know exactly what they're doing, and to try to teach new wrestlers and teach people coming into this business to, you know, pay those people no mind. Typically, they're not the ones putting any money in your pocket anyway. Let them go by the wayside, but don't be afraid of real criticism if you know you're not bumping correctly or something. So uh, you won't remember this. But I have met you one time, and oh, I remember everything. Do do you do you remember when I met you then? I think it was at a wasn't it at a Black Label Pro show? No, was it not?
2: Okay, maybe maybe it was twice. Then it was maybe, maybe it I, was twice. So, what was the first time? Because maybe okay, I don't remember. You don't remember, oh, but no. I do because it was hilarious. So okay. I am at Starcast, and I'm on my way to interview Mick Foley. Uh, And we're going to get him ice because he comes up to the door and he kind of like looks at his empty ice bucket and he goes, do you guys know where an ice machine is? And I know what that means. It means, please go get me my ice. My hips are shit. You've got 15 minutes with me. Let's not make it seven minutes. So as I go to the elevator, I see you there and I'm with my friend, my friend chief. And he's like, ah, Effie, you're facing Nick Gage tonight. And you look at us and you go. I'm going to fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) Never (laughs) forgot that. Oh, God. I've never forgot that. What goes through your mind when you are booked to face a Nick Gage who, a little bit different, a little bit different than you?
3: I think it's time to kind of like expand on this day a little bit because this is interesting. And this is, it's a very effy story, which is, I kind of like... Going back to sort of Joey Janela's spring break in New York, I kind of put the onus on Brett, and he was like, oh, man, you know, this is working out. People are really into you. And I was like, yeah, Brett, do it again. And so he did it in Tennessee and gave me Orange Cassidy, and it was over like gangbusters. I remember Joey coming up to him after, and he was like, this Effie guy, you got to just keep booking him. And Brett was like, I was watching. I was watching. (laughs) And so he was like, let's just pull the trigger. Let's go. Let's put him against Nick Gage. And so I knew I'd be there that StarCast weekend, but I, I, at that point, didn't have anything else booked. And then Rise hit me up for Sunday, and they were like, do you want to come in and do the Sunday Rise show? I was like, perfect. This looks like I'm a part of StarCast now. <laughs> yeah. So then I started texting with one of the people who helps out with StarCast Hotels and was like, hey, like, if you're working with any of the promotions, let them know so we can work out a hotel thing. So he got me in on the StarCast Hotel. And then because of that, Conrad thought I was booked for StarCast. Conrad just like thought I was already booked for it and hit me up and was like hey are you doing your signing this day or are you doing it on another day and I was like oh whatever time you have open I'll be doing my signing and I ended up sneaking in there and having a signing and I was like nobody's gonna pay for this signing and like 30 people came and paid for the signing and I was like hold up did I just figure this out and it was successful for everyone so at that point like I was still living in Florida, so i had been up since, I think, one in the morning to catch a flight in Orlando from Tallahassee. I drove to Orlando. I caught the flight. I got to Chicago. I had to be there for an early interview with Ethan Page, so I needed to land in Chicago by like 10 a.m. So by the time I fought Nick Gaves that night, I'd already been up for 25 or 26 hours or whatever. It's 1.30 in the morning, and I look in my bag after everything, that whole day of just like, oh, crap, I accidentally infiltrated the entire industry here real quick, I open my bag and I go, man, I really, I've done well so far. I don't have knee pads. And in my head, I go, I can ask somebody for their knee pads to ruin, or I can just go out here and be as crazy as I've been all day and go, it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And my ass went out there and had a death match with no knee pads on with Nick Gage because of that attitude in my head at that point, which was like, you've gotten this far. What's going to, what's the worst that could happen? There's only, you know, hundreds of people in here ready to watch you go through glass that that mentality just set me up to have such a fun time and i think losing my mind that night has helped me out tremendously and of course like nick is a scary guy to to go up against but once you kind of see him and once you kind of understand him a little more what a what a swell fella i mean oh yeah to say that you become better friends with someone after they've hit you in the face with a beer bottle it's crazy but it worked out
2: So we had taken, uh, it may have been, I think it was Chicago. No, it was Vegas. And one of my younger writers went with us as well. And he's like, yeah, me and Nick Gage hit it off. And I'm like, like, hell you did. And then later on that day, I see Nick Gage walking up to one of my like brand new writers. He goes, there's my fucking guy right there, Andrew. And I was like, I'll be damned. He did. (laughs) He
3: He did a hundred percent. Oh man. He's an incredible – so, we could tell stories for days that would just blow people's minds about the character <laughs> and humanity behind Nick Gage. What, a, what an incredible story. So as we mentioned, you've got this block. When, when that happens
2: on a show like Fight Forever, how does that differ from like the big gay brunch type of thing? Like, how would you compare the input that you have over something like that? Because as, as much of a visionary as I, I imagine Brett Lauderdale is, that's, this, he's got to delegate something here.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's been the most interesting part with GCW. And that's the thing I kind of like try to hound on with people is the reason GCW succeeds is because they move with the fans. They look at what is getting people interested in wrestling. They look at what is getting people involved in wrestling. And they're not afraid to ask for those opinions and ask for help from the outside and ask the fans for what they want to see. And because of that, there is the shift in in the talent. And people can say it's for whatever reasons they want. And it's because GCW wants success and GCW wants to put the right people on the map who are showing off that they have the skills. And so Brett is looking at someone like me and he's saying... I don't know that much about your world. I want to learn more about it. And we had hours and hours and hours of phone calls leading up to the brunch. And after that, I mean, we've been on the phone with each other every week. And so it's it's good to come to him as someone that's more of a confidant to say, hey, here's something you're not paying attention to. Here's something you're missing out on. And you'll see that a lot of the GCW roster is that way. And he leans on them because he'll admit, hey, I'm not the best person for this. I'm not the person who knows it's the best, but I see there's something here. Will you help me? Will you help the people around you? Who can you you show me that you don't have. And so I think when I booked the first big gay brunch with Brett, I was I Brett likes it when you give him a little bit of friction because he it lets him know that you actually care about what you're talking about. And so I had to learn that when he questioned me on certain things it wasn't because he didn't believe in it. He wanted to make sure I knew what I was saying and knew what I was doing. And with the first big gay brunch going back to Tampa when we were originally booking it, I think we were trying to go okay, well this is gay but we still have to appeal to wrestling in general and the industry changed when COVID hit and it changed for a lot of reasons beyond COVID, and it changed for a lot of speaking out reasons and thank god the show didn't happen because there would have been things i had to change that i wouldn't want to look back on the same way now now when it hit in indiana because of that COVID, because of the speaking out because of what's going on it was the easiest show i'd ever booked because i went to only people i trust i went to only people i know and i'm following that path forward to say as I know these talents in the LGBTQ community, who I call my friends, who I see all the time, who I speak with on the phone, who are we looking at? Who needs that next shot? Now, we're going to have some returns. We're going to have more people there. But we're looking now and saying, who hasn't gotten that shot on the big stage? Who hasn't had these big moments? Who can we give more of a shine to that people are going to you know, want to get involved more with? And I think we've picked out the, the right pick of kind of old and new and uh, created a, a, a very modern 2021 card that i think is going to be an exciting part of the 24 hours well i'm calling it the 23 hours though sean because i'm not including this 440 nonsense this is (laughs) that hour doesn't count that's the popcorn break
2: you took exception to me interviewing uh ricky shane page this week as well but
3: like you know what he's gonna say and what he's not gonna say is what he should say which is He convinced No Peace Underground this weekend. I'll only wrestle if there's a ring there. I'm not going to do this yarder stuff. And then they called his bluff and made a great show. So this is what happens, Ricky. You think you're being sly, but you're accidentally helping people. So what is there to say? You're accidentally stumbling into good things sometimes. It's not anything you could explain out loud. I'll try. I'll try to get him to explain it out loud. Please try.
2: If I could ask him one thing, what would you want me to ask
3: him? You know what, I'm. A... <sighs> he's really messed something up for me because he went with the neon green. And the thing about green is, I think it looks good on me. I think green looks very good on me, but it's not something I want to participate in. But here's what I'm going to have you ask him. Um, what is going to stop me from going back and green screening pictures of me onto all of your green merchandise because boy, I can put anything on that green if I'm feeling up for it.
2: Oh my god! Speaking of, you've got a Twitch. You're, you're streaming often. I see you on there all Oof. the time. We're gonna we're gonna raid your channel one night. Fightful, please. Is. We're, gonna, we're gonna send some people your way as well. Uh, how has that been for you? I mean, we mentioned Zicky Dice earlier. That's something that he's taken to really well. A lot of wrestlers have taken to this really well. And you're no different. I mean, your personality fits perfect. I constantly hear from my friends in the gaming industry, they're like, so a lot of these wrestlers are doing this, and they're doing really well. And I'm like, yeah, they talk to fans every day. This ain't hard for them.
3: Uh, How's this been for you? It's incredible. And I was super nervous starting out, because people will stream for like, oh, three, four, five, six hours, and I'm going... I'm used to like super editing myself down to a minute and a half with a concept and a single opponent and I'm quippy and I'm witty and cut, right? And so you're just sitting there and you go, holy moly, how am I going to fill this time? But the people who come in, keep it moving so quickly and have such interest in what you're saying and the knowledge you have. And especially Monday nights when we watch wrestling and Wednesday afternoons when we've been watching wrestling on the front page with a crazy amount of people. You get people who you go oh man we are we are not known by everyone in the world this little bubble we live in sometimes there's so many more people who would like to see it and get involved but we can't scream at them because they don't know who the first heavyweight champion was and we can't yell at them and and treat them like crap because they don't know everything because they're coming in with genuine curiosity and we're able to turn people's minds around a lot of the time because twitch is global so when i'm thrown in front of these people being able to have someone in the corner who kind of knows what they're talking about, isn't going to yell at you, isn't going to be mean if you have a question, but is also going to keep it entertaining and keep it moving and fill you in on, on the parts you need to know. It's, it's a lot less intimidating than coming in and going, well, here's what you missed four weeks ago. And here's what you missed here. And we're putting this person in the hall of fame and you missed their whole career. You've got to catch up. There is this bite of nostalgia that we have almost rejected in this new form of Twitch that we're figuring out that people don't need. Um, I know you do a lot of work with them, but WWE loves that safety net of the nostalgia. Of bite. Course, they love yeah. it. But what they don't realize is, it is diminished returns. No offense to anyone, but we've been to these places. We've been to these cons. We've been to these legend shows. Our fans have not in some cases kept the best care of themselves later in life and nor have our wrestlers. We can't keep relying on the fact that they'll tune into a cable show to keep our lifeblood moving. The difference right now between me and the undertaker is distribution because If you know the name Effie and you know I'm a wrestler, that Google search to find a full match is just as easy as finding The Undertaker. What we don't have is that same distribution so far. But while we look into these new avenues, we are finding that there's a much larger distribution and there's a lot of people who would like to get on board. And Sean, I don't know if you know this. I don't take a lot of instructions from anybody right now. Twitch, I'll say stuff on Twitch that I think is so out of line and crazy and outlandish and weird and wild. And me and Zicky both just, I mean, we get out of line sometimes. And they're like, no, keep it up. People are loving it and they're subscribing and they're coming into the channel. And they're like, it's it's kind of mind blowing that you're like, oh, wow, I'm just, I'm flinging together a TV show on the fly. And there's a lot of people who are into it. And the more I get to see wrestlers during this COVID period, there's more people who I'm like, I'm like, would you mind coming on the show? And they're like, I would love to do it. Yes. And I'm like, this is crazy to me. This is, this is, it's just, it's a whole new dawn, And I'm glad we've kind of held out for this future transition. I mean, I'm still a guy who truly believes Vince had like three really good ideas in the 80s and we kind of gave him a 30 year pass and surrounded him with the right people. Once you make three good ideas in the 80s, you know, revolutionizing pay-per-view and closed caption, revolutionizing what sports entertainment looks like and revolutionizing that TV distribution into your pay-per-view model. Once you look at these things and go, those were great ideas, you can start to afford the people around you who came up with all the other good ideas. And there's a lot of things he's in control of, but instead of giving him the pass and clinging on to, uh, you know, what our idea of these WrestleMania moments is or what our idea of success in professional wrestling is, Jump into something new. I I joke with a lot of the kids sometimes, the reason you want to work at IWA Mid-South is not because IWA Mid-South is the best place in the world to work. It's so you can say you work somewhere that Samoa Joe and CM Punk and Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson worked at, but look at the current dream and look how it currently looks now. Your WrestleMania moment right now, kids, is in front of a Zoom call with fake background noise. I know a lot of people will see it, but it's not the same dream. And it probably won't be for a long time. So hedge your bets and figure out what works for you. I want that decision to be more difficult because all we've been able to do in the last five years is make those starting salaries over at the big TV companies less and less. And I'll be honest, since March, I've done about 8 k less than a starting NXT salary. And that takes a lot of hustling and that takes a lot of now, but that's in a pandemic And I'm telling y'all, once this thing clears up even a little bit, and even looking into 2021 as companies have changed and done safer tapings, that money is not going to be worthwhile. And I'm going to show you how it's not going to be worthwhile. And I'm not going to hide the secrets. We're shifting everything. And I think Fight Forever is going to be a big part of this. 24 hours of wrestling, because it goes completely against the idea of the industry saying, don't ask the fans. Because what GCW found is when we turned out and asked the fans... There were a lot of people willing to step in and willing to step up and say, we love wrestling. We would love to put our name out there. We would love to have those moments to say, hey, this is a match that our podcast or our stream or our wrestling t-shirt company was able to create and put on. And to see the split for some of these guys coming in for this 24-hour stream, it's going to be the biggest payday they've ever seen. And I think people's minds are going to be blown when they see what GCW was able to put together to pay wrestlers at a time where there's not a lot of wrestler pay. Sorry, that was so long. I just no, that I get was excited. fantastic. Like
2: Ugh. as you as you kept going, I was like, God damn, this is really good. Like that, that is. I mean, I agree with legitimately everything you say. I mean, I was reporting personally the NXT starting salaries this year, and not only that, they're on shorter term deals now too because WWE themselves refused to shit or get off the pot with so many of these people, and had really talented people sitting on their asses for two years, diminishing their own value and. To start with with the nostalgia thing, first off, can't wait for t- to use the headline, Vince had three I- good ideas in the 80s, then we gave him a 30-year pass. Enjoy your Twitter next week.
3: But <laughs> Oh, God, between that and what I'm about to do on oh. Valentine's Day, February is going to get weird for
2: Effie. But the, the nostalgia thing, I'll put it like this. This week on Raw, you had Jeff Jarrett on TV talking about Goldberg challenging for the title. Now, hey, you know what people can say? I had one now disgraced wrestling writer that would constantly say it's a business, Sean. Yeah, well, it's not a good business if that's what you got to rely on. But he brought up a Toby Keith line. I ain't as good as I once was. Well, here's the thing: Toby Keith was a decade younger than Goldberg when he wrote that song. Oh. So, like, this is this is like when I when I think about that and I look up and down like a WWE roster and I watch a three hour raw and I go nothing matters here. But then I see the fantastic stuff they do on Fridays. I'm like, not not all this gets treated equally. Then I see, as mentioned, you and Zicky not just betting on yourself, but Twitch is betting on you too. And Twitch bet on a bunch of wrestlers, and they're like, oh, these two, look at what they're doing. They're doing it better than anybody. And like, there's so there's there's so much opportunity there to develop
3: out of yourself. And I you- do have to I do have to pause you one second and thank Vince McMahon real quick because that old idiot took all those WWE stars off Twitch in the most hilarious I hate money move I've ever seen and I can't tell you anything but holy shit and opened the door for Twitch to go, you know what? We've got a lot of open wrestling spots and wrestling works with people and we were able to step up into those spots and so, Thank you. Thanks for getting out of the way. I appreciate it, Vince. And I also want to say, like you said, Fridays on SmackDown, uh, you know, Mondays on raw, even Wednesdays, NXT and all the companies. I I don't want to sound like too much of a Marxist here, but I'm pro labor. I think they have the most talented set of wrestlers they have ever had in a WWE roster. That is why it ends up being so frustrating because these are people who are operating at a level that is unprecedented and, They're being kept to a particular voice and a particular style and a particular way of showing. It's, it's very frustrating for me to see guys want to jump into that and say, let me lock myself up for a little while here. Hopefully something will work. And it's no offense also to anyone because you talk about Jeff Jarrett, they're also taking risks on the new talent. And I love the guys who've been coming into NXT, but jumping to TV in one or two months When they've had, you know, 100, 150 people down there that are the homegrown talent and they're working through it, they are throwing spaghetti at a wall, we can all see it and they are hoping something will work to pull someone that quickly in and throw them to TV. It's just it's questionable. I hope it works out for everyone, but it's also one of those things where it's like, as a business person, I ran a two and a half million dollar business for eight years, Sean, as a business person, when I see decisions like that being made, I go, somebody doesn't know what they're doing and that's okay uh, because the labor ends up winning. Hey, you want to give my boys a big paycheck and move them up? Cool. But make sure they know their worth and make sure they know what they're getting into.
2: They had Ricochet three years into his WWE run, go up to Adam Pierce on Raw this week and be like, Thank you so much for the opportunity, sir, to be in this mid-card match on Monday Night Raw. And I'm like, you are one of the most impressive athletes I've ever seen in my entire life. You should be like, goddamn right, I'm getting this opportunity. I should get more opportunities. And like we we don't see we don't see them allow people to to maximize themselves and what made them WWE commodities in the first place. Like it, it's it's like you do all this stuff to become get on WWE's radar, and then they're like, "Nah, none of that."
3: Yeah, I have you ever been around a kid at Christmas, like the new age kids, because they'll look up anything they want on YouTube and they'll watch reviews over and over. And I'm going to yeah. make a bigger point here quickly. And they know what they want, and then the dad goes, "Fine, I'll get you the present for Christmas." And they get him the present, they open it up, and the kid loves it, and the dad's looking at it, going. I don't get it. I don't even know what it does. And he's like, well, dad, if you would have done the research with me and seen this, you can see all the different things this toy can do, all the different things it's capable.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead
4: of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
3: And the dad just goes, I look stupid. I don't know. He's had it for 10 minutes and he goes, let's get something else in here. And um, sometimes perspective is necessary. And sometimes I don't think that the right perspective at the top knows it because me and you have seen ricochet be a cocky asshole we have seen him show heart we have seen him show passion we have seen him be defeated and win and show all this range of emotional characteristics that people say oh he's just a flippy guy me and you know that's not the case we have seen him for years and years do this but have the right people seen that or are the right people paying enough attention to that
2: he's got a full arsenal of what i call sirloin beef sons of bitches moves like moves that like three hundred pound guys do deadlift suplexes and these big lariats. Like he's one hundred and eighty eight pounds and he wrestles like he's two thirty, two forty, and yeah. But he can also wrestle like he's one thirty or one forty if he wants. It's, yeah,
3: gravity. You know, I don't know. I guess there's a TM on that, but he's it's like moon <laughs> gravity.
2: So uh, man, there's I, I could talk to you about this stuff all day because I loved loved what you said about just about all that. That was fantastic. We do have some questions from some readers that I know that you saw, and I think they're, they're very important. What's the biggest change you've seen in the inclusion of LGBTQ talent? And do you believe it's improving in the industry?
3: Yeah, I think so. And I've always been a believer that, um, and this is like, this is probably not the the fairest way to put it, but everybody always says, because here's the thing, these promoters in the, in the past and whatever, they've all had their own problems, but If you are looking at wrestling as a purely capitalistic venture and you are trying to sell tickets and try to get people to stream, when you look at the 60s, 70s, and 80s and the audiences that were allowed to pay to go to wrestling shows and the audiences that were going to wrestling shows that were selling the most tickets, they were of probably a little more um, questionable uh, belief and view system. And because of that, things like racism, sexism, uh, homophobia, transphobia, they sell more tickets when you can make the black man dance in this time, a a promoter knows it does that. When you put the little gay boy out there in a dress, a promoter knows they want to yell at it and they want to cause ruckus. When you're thinking of it in that aspect, they were just trying to make money and it doesn't forgive any of it and it never will. But when you look now, what we have done as an LGBTQ community, um, I was talking with Billy Dixon about it this weekend. We have stepped to our side and said, If no one's going to do it for us, we're going to force our way in and we're going to do it for ourselves and we're going to clear our own path. And now that that path is starting to clear, it's it's apparent that a lot of companies are going to start gradually moving around. I always said that the reason WWE didn't do a lot more with the LGBTQ stuff wasn't because they were against it. It's really because... They, they blew it with Billy and Chuck. They got way more negative backlash than they're used to. And they love being in the press, but they never want it to be something bad. And instead of trying again and saying, maybe we should try again and ask and say, look, we messed up, they were just scared to even dip their toe back in the water because the first time they did it, the water was cold. It's not necessarily that they're sitting around going, we'll never have a gay on this show. It's them sitting around going, we really don't know how to do it. And we're scared to ask because the last time, 20 years ago it didn't work out so well so now when they see us able to succeed and seeing these ideas come to life and seeing that spirit in the lgbtq community that is punk and we don't need you and we're going to do our own thing it's becoming a little more exciting for them and it's becoming a little more attainable for them and they're seeing that it actually makes money and now with the ball back in our court i hope over the next few years that not only are we featured prominently but that it's it's really not that much of a deal anymore i think the big idea of Effie is that Effie doesn't need to exist. That's where I want to get Effie to. When Effie doesn't need to be here and fuck with you and press the buttons and force the issues, then I'll just disappear and I'll help kids out in the back and I'll do the other stuff I do and I'll buy merch for new wrestlers so they can have a start. Let's get to that point, we are not there yet. But as we continue to be loud, we want to see the other companies copying us. We want to see them step to the plate. I joked with Jake Atlas because we had a long conversation after our match. And I said, look, I can yell at the building from the outside. It makes sense for me to do that the only people who are actually going to change it are the people within the company who can force their hand and force their ear with their talent and their voice. And I'm not in there doing that. So I ask of you to at least give it a try and do it your way. I'm not asking you to be me. That is a more important thing that needs to happen. And we've got to force them to copy us because it's it's apparent we have some pretty good ideas. Uh, and they, they, tend to, they tend to use them in different ways than I would, yes. but things show up and things happen that are a little... Uh, pointy, and I don't mind it anymore. I want them to catch up. If we have to force them in a capitalistic way to catch up, then we're going to keep throwing the craziest shows. We're going to put on the wildest talent. We're going to show all the skills that you missed out on, all the storytelling you missed out on by not being inclusive for so long. And you'll have to just follow behind. I mean, you're getting lapped right now, even though you're in a bigger, fancier, faster, more expensive car.
2: When you see them take things that you've done, do you see it as a badge of honor? Like if, if, for example, WWE has used content ideas that, that I've had out there first. And I'm like, hell yeah, that means it was a really good idea. And they're like, oh, we can, we can monetize this. We can maximize
3: this. In my travels, I have met a lot of WWE employees. And I think inside the system and this sounds very like diva of me I think there's a general respect of what I'm doing and I think there's a general excitement and not just me but about a lot of the stuff we're doing that they can't typically voice day to day and they can't let out all the time but the moment I figured it out and this is the weirdest thing um and I'll give you a little hinter at the end but I was doing a no ring death match with Casanova Valentine in Orlando Florida and there was a lot of weird stuff on the show and a lot of weird stuff happening and i walked out for my match and i looked over and i saw one of the nxt coaches there standing on the back wall paying attention watching and i left and i went back outside to try to catch it again and they were already gone and somebody was like oh do you think they're a fan of no ring deathmatch wrestling i said no i think they're a fan of the amount of connection we have with our audience the trust we have in our audience and the amount that they see a connection between someone like an Effie or a Casanova Valentine and the audience that they have we treat our audiences like like family like friends we treat our supporters with respect we listen to their input we listen to what they like and we try to give them the best show possible and until they connect with that point rather than oh well, maybe it's no ring or maybe it's gay wrestling or maybe it's hardcore or maybe it's uh silly matches or maybe it's the, the moment they can start to figure out that and start respecting their fan base, they're going to find that they don't just get like the six idiots on Facebook who are like, Roman's bad now, we hate him, and go like, oh, we're getting fan interaction and and fun, exciting likes. They'll understand that in the year 2021, we're, we've seen it, and we've seen a lot of it, and the general audience needs a little more to latch onto and needs a little more to bite into. It's one thing to be a good wrestling show. It's another to be a good television show. And there's too much choice to just stick to mediocrity and say, well, this has worked in the past. So it might work again. And maybe we'll get back to 2 million viewers or 3 million viewers like dog cable girl. Y'all keep just running after that dog. Have fun.
2: Oh my gosh. I'm learning so much here and that's legitimately like my favorite part of this job. I
3: like, listen, I love, I love it because when I hear there's there's lots of effy talk within things and <laughs> I love hearing about it because it makes me laugh so hard because at first I think there's this this thing of like oh god like put up the defense guard like what's effie doing he's coming to fuck with us but people need to understand i graduated from the university of south carolina with a crisis communications focus in my public relations degree i ran a business for 8 years i have hired and fired probably over 500 people i'm not coming at you as a baby little talent i came into wrestling as a grown adult and i'm not here to be sweet or kind or nice i'm here to look at the people the kids The people involved who are spending two or $300 on outfits, $400 on boots, driving 12 hours and going, how can we make this a better, safer, more financially profitable version of you where you don't have to sell yourself out completely just yet? And that frustration that seems to come out a little negative that they can go, oh, he's just negative. It drives me to do something bigger. And once they figure all of that out, boy. I'm going to charge real PR rates.
2: So, I, I mean, I joked, maybe not really. I probably will use that Vince headline. I, I mean, I you say that because I know that you care. I know that you care because you want it to be better and you want all this to be better. It's not negativity for the sake of ne- negativity. It's It's fair criticism in the hopes that it gets better. Would I be right in that?
3: Yeah, and I think it was also, especially even starting out in the Indies, you can go back on Facebook and on the Effie page. There's some old videos that are wild as shit, I (laughs) promise you. Um, But there was one where it was called um, Talk and Shoot with Effie. And it was me sort of talking about like the pitfalls of the Indies and the pitfalls of what we're running into. And I'm looking around. There was one quote, Mikey of the Ugly Ducklings. We finished a show. And I'm looking around and the guy has all these people here. He drew 500 people into this building. Uh, The talent didn't get paid that much. And he goes, "Uh, you're not getting paid until you get out, until the ring is out of this building back in my truck. And I look over at Mikey and I go, do you ever remember what Bon Jovi did at the end of Living on a Prayer when they finished the concert? Did they start taking down the lighting rig and like wheeling the amps off stage? Because I don't think so. And he was like, yeah, but we're not Bon Jovi. I was like, yeah, but why not? why are we not Bon Jovi? I see financially, everybody was excited to be there and be booked and be a part of it, which is great. But when I see 500 people in a door at $20, when I see the snack sales, when I see the amount of shirts with your promotion name on it, when I see the amount of free labor, I start to go, hold the hell up. And I walk up and I go, I see what's going on here and I'm not sticking around for this. Give me my money and I'm leaving. And they know I'm right. So they don't question it. But now it's on me to go to everyone else and go, what he's doing is scammy. You should ask for more money. You should let him know it's up front and you should do this. And when all of us can have that voice, I'm not saying you right away, but when all of us can have at least a discussion to say, hey, here's what's really going on. It's very hard for them to scheme us. I'm a part of the second gear crew, right? Me, Manders, AJ, great justice. People, Manser, Eddie Kingston, sometimes people can say what they want about us, but there's one thing we hate and it's third kayfabe. Third kayfabe is when the people running the show try to work the people work in the show. And we do not like that. We don't like when that happens. And discussion is the king of killing that fancy. And so as we move forward, yeah, I'm loud and I'm a thorn in the side. But if I'm if I'm making you feel painful, if you're thinking I'm uncomfortable, then you're probably doing something you shouldn't be doing. Someone called me chaotic good the other day. And I said, what an explanation.
2: I love it. I love oh. it. My God. Like this is... This is really enlightening, really good stuff, and uh, we had one more reader question, which I think kind of ties into that. As you grow, do you do you see, like, an amplification of people who, like, want you to fail? Haters,
3: as they say? Yes, it is hilarious. The amount of people that, like, even in public, they'll do it sometimes, like, kind of jokingly, but, like, the, the biggest ones I get are... Um, He's definitely straight and faking it. And oh, I was God. like, You're right. I have to pay my live in boyfriend who I'm getting legally married to. Who's often to-
2: on your Twitch stream, by the way. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I have to pay him and we just we've created a whole charade together uh with with Cranberry with my we've signed leases together. So that one's hilarious to me. Oh the real sign-
2: I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry situation going here. Like Oh like f- yeah. Like a, fully. like a
3: very, like it had to be planned years in advance. Cause yes. I wasn't over when we started dating. So um <laughs> the other one is like, I think, especially after speaking out, people are like, Oh, he's going to do something bad or he's going to be a bad person. It's like, yo, like I'm not, I, me and my boyfriend are together. We are together together. It's not happening. And I respect people too much to even like go into that. And if, if you really check in with people and go, door to door. And when I die, one day they'll write the book because I can't keep up with everything. And what I've been able to do since that's gone on is stick my nose to the ground further and check on people even more constantly, which they're going to say whatever they want. They can try whatever they want. I want to make sure people are safe and comfortable. at shows I want to make sure people are not uh, taken advantage of. And I want to make sure that we're not setting an example when people are coming into our business where that's normal or acceptable, because right now we're dealing with the fact that like A lot of people dealt with a lot of shit for a long time in wrestling, and you can't guess they were giving it their all while they were being treated in such horrible, abusive ways. Let's move towards making sure everyone who shows up to their job, to work, to entertain people in whatever capacity that is, is comfortable enough to do it, is not dealing with people like that around them, is not having to confront their abuse every week. Because to me, once you start hearing it, it's like, holy shit, what the fuck was going on that I wasn't paying enough attention to when I'm rolling in and just being effy and selling my shirts, and what a fun match, see you next week. What was happening when we weren't paying attention? Now we have to come in vigilant, vigilant and aggressive, and we're going to keep doing that. So let them talk the shit. Shit talk is shit talk. All I can do is keep doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean?
2: I love it. So as we wrap up, a reminder, guys, GCW Fight Forever, January 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern, You've got Effie's Big Gay Block from 10 to 12. I like to close each interview by putting some positivity out in the world. Instead of shooting hard, we shoot softly. And I ask you to say nice things about certain wrestlers. And we'll start with with somebody that that you feuded with.
3: Izzy! Okay, so I had to... Oh, I had to deal with Bully Ray on that one. And I like gave the PR answer. Here's the fact about Izzy. And here's what I'll say. Y'all pissed her off so bad, making fun of her for, for having a match with me and saying she was unprepared. that she became a real shooter? And she's now one of the top wrestlers in Florida, I believe in high school wrestling, especially in the women's division. But I know she's done kind of some double division stuff. Y'all mess her up, and when she comes back to wrestling, she's going to be a fully trained MMA savant, and she's going to ruin everyone who talked crap about her. I can't wait.
2: Like we, We joke on social media. I think Izzy is brilliant. I think she's a prodigy. I think she will be if she pursues wrestling, pro wrestling, she will be a pro wrestling star, whether it be a host, an interviewer. I mean, she's already an interview star. She's interviewing all kinds of people. I think that she is a kid, and she gets it. She understands it.
3: Yeah, like, and she had to confront all of it. Sometimes yeah. that's the way you find out is, like, you've got to deal with everything at once. And she has great parents there with her. Her dad joked to me one time and goes, everybody says we're – um Everybody says we're making so much money off her. Well, guess what? I sold three shirts today, so we're getting rich. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah."
2: And and I mean, there's not going to be anything that she sees, like from a social media perspective, when she's an adult that she hasn't already seen. Like she's been through it, and I respect that girl an awful lot. Uh, I think she's going to do some really cool stuff. So, uh, and I was glad that she was doing stuff with you. Even more happy now. That I see that I've had this conversation, and I see the kind of mind that you have, and she's got good people guiding her.
3: There's footage from that night that I think Joey Janellis should see because this was at the time where he was saying he was gonna put her through a flaming table and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I like show up to the venue, and I'm like ready to go, and she's like, was talking about Joey Janela was being mean to her and I go, Oh God, pay him no mind. And there's, my guys were following me around to film for me because they were there all week. Just like, here's what he does at work. And here's what he does at the time. And it never came out, but there is footage where I'm like, Oh my God, leave it alone. Who cares? Izzy? we're having fun. Don't worry about him. And I think it would be really funny to see, you know, four years later,
2: Joey Janela does not give a shit about anything. I was backstage at AEW a year ago. Brandy Rhodes, Awesome Kong, Luther cut my hair there for a charity gimmick. And Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting there next to Brandy Rhodes, who is a pretty important person in that company, and Joey Janela walks by and goes, "Sean Ross sap, I'm not going to give you any more dirt." And I was like, "You, you can't say that." <laughs> like not out loud.
3: Oh, there's not a lot he can't say. He's uh... a <laughs> He's a wild child. What are you going to do? Uh, next next name up on
2: shooting softly.
3: Alleycat. <sighs> Alleycat. Oh my god. Okay, so I have to shoot softly. See, yes. this is like what's happened with me and Alleycat. We both played viola all through middle and high school, and we found that out and we are like, Oh, yeah, this makes sense. But ever (laughs) since we started tagging together, everybody just throws us in the same room. And that is dangerous because we are crazy. And not like crazy like you think, but we're just, we get into some wild stuff. And she is a bundle of fun. And I, listen, Allie Cat gets put in a little bit of a box, I think, because she does so well at intergender, because she does so well at hardcore stuff. Any TV company would be lucky to have her. And honestly, it would probably be good for her um, to to well i know i'm gonna leave it at that i think Alley cat would do well on television
2: yeah i think right now there's just a wealth of female talent and she's really helping lead that pack here's another name eddie kingston oh
3: my god eddie kingston is the most incredible person i've ever like gotten to spend time with he's the king of the second gear crew and like he, t- he really is that second gear mentality which is like turn it up and give the people what they need and go hard and like show them what it's all about and being able to work with it like I tapped Eddie Kingston out in LA in a match at GCW the fact that I'm like even allowed to say that sentence out loud is it shows you what kind of guy Eddie Kingston is and it shows you his heart for this business and to see him now on TV and succeeding and doing well and getting to still just be Eddie Kingston every week and do whatever he wants and talk crap and have hardcore matches with Moxley. It's, it's great to see somebody who's stuck to their own path and it ends up being fine where the whole time it's not, he's not sitting around going, I'll never get my due. You know, you have those guys who are like 18 hard years and I never got my, he just said, I'm Eddie Kingston. I'm going to keep being Eddie Kingston. If you're into it, come with me. If you're not. And that time finally came where it was like, This is what wrestling needs is that drop of realism and that now, and that person who's not going to shut up a bit. And it's worked out swimmingly for both sides. I can see it.
2: Another name you've worked with quite a few times that is on AEW TV, Serpentico.
3: Holy moly. I wrestled Serpentico one time uh, for WWN because at the time, Here's the thing about WWN that's so funny. They knew I would get over with the Tampa bar crowd, but they would never use me outside of that. Oh. And I got real pissy one night. I blew a tire and they were asking me to do all these segments and all these matches. And they were like, well, the second match is with Serpentico. And I was like, fine, fine. And I got out of that match and I was like, hot damn. I'm a good wrestler. I'm a superstar. I am so good and excellent. Turns out it's, it's Serpentico. Serpentico is the easiest most fun person i've ever been in a ring with he's so smooth his positioning is incredible his brain is magic and luckily like through fest wrestling i got to work with him a few times and it's just like every time you get better and you learn something new and like he always has something to teach it's just and now he gets to be on tv too and seeing it (laughs) with luther is the greatest oddball pairing of like All right, well, I guess it's not even Oddball, because he's like Luther's evil snake. And and Luther is such
2: a wonderful dude. Like, we just (laughs) talked about him cutting my hair. What an A-plus dude that
3: guy is. And look what he's brought to AEW where, like, you know, even before Mox got that full right, he was just kind of, like, sneaking in there going, like, we're going to do some crazy stuff. Is that cool? And they were like, I mean, you're Luther, You could do whatever you want. <laughs> and now he's getting to, like, have these wild, crazy, insane matches with new talent on Dark and getting to do it on Dynamite. It's just cool to see how those weird paths converge because, like, you put names out of a hat. I would have never put those two together, but it works, like it works literally like a perfect puzzle and I want to see them keep growing and keep being weird. And that's a good thing. I think about the heels, especially at AEW, they're allowed to be bad. They're allowed to turn it up. There's sort of levels to the heelness, but like you can also be a little playful too. And the audience is okay with, with having that fun. And that's exciting because you don't have to hate, hate them all the time. They still want to tune in to see what, what dastardly things you're going to get into Uh,
2: another name, orange Cassidy, some, some memorable stuff there,
3: obviously. It's like I look at the smile on my face. This is like Orange Cassidy stepped into my life at the right time, and I think maybe I stepped into his life at the right time too because we've had some good times together. Uh, gang, shout out to Gang Business, which is a, a a bigger a bigger point of the whole. I am starting to notice something really exciting, Sean Rossap all these kids who were supposedly Chikara kids and supposedly, you know, had all this intense vinyl pants, shiny training from, you know, carnival barkers who speak weird and can't draw anybody to their shows and can't pay anybody on time. For whatever reason... A lot of these kids have started rejecting some of that ideology. And I really hear some of that Orange Cassidy mentality pushing through, which isn't to say they aren't ready to perform and go at the highest level, but is to say they are being themselves and they are not rejecting parts of themselves that they thought maybe or were told maybe wouldn't be good for wrestling or entertaining for wrestling. And they're doing their own thing. And that influence of being able to do your own thing and still entertain people at the highest level of pro wrestling to still be the number one guy on the cover of the magazine to still be able to go toe to toe with someone like Pac with someone like Chris Jericho with all these names and be able to hold your own it is incredibly inspiring and he is still uh he's still that laid-back dude who's down to help everybody and down to uh make sure everybody leaves happy with with uh with their entertainment for the evening you know he holds that important
2: I think they've just barely scratched the surface on him. Have you have you ever seen the video of him carrying a giant fish down the road?
3: I have not. This sounds oh. perfect.
2: Oh, I found it and I posted it to Fightful. And it's it's him like with this giant fish and muddy pants, and he's got his long hair, and they're like, What's what's going on? He's like, I got a fish, and I'm about to go dance people's faces off. And I'm like, <laughs> we haven't ever seen that side of him on television yet. Like if they ever get that based on what they have now, Oh my God. Like people don't even understand. I've not met the man. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, Oh, that's dollars right there. Wait, you've
3: never met the legendary orange Cassidy in person. Never met him
2: in person. No,
3: I want you to know something. I never, I didn't take credit for this. There is a picture from every time I died to the season of Tommy dreamer and orange Cassidy and puff. And I think Gregory Iron and a few other people, and they're all dressed as Santa Claus characters. I did take that picture in the locker room. I want to take credit for that. (laughs) Uh, The last thing I want to say, and I know other people have said this, and I know Orange Cassidy may say it himself, the Rock needs to hear me, and I know he follows you, right? Doesn't he follow you? He doesn't the follow Rock. me. He if I tweet he knows him, he tweets on. back. So yeah, he's like those wrestlers who won't follow me on Instagram, but they still check my stories, especially oh, when something big. Big E said up.
2: it in an interview in front of a WWE PR guy. He's like, "I don't follow you, but I look at your Instagram all the time, or your your Twitter all the time." And I was like, "Well, Come I'm going to say it.
3: If by 2023 we have not had a movie moment with." with Orange Cassidy showing up as the laid back guy who hooks the fast team up with all the new gadgets and technologies. I'm out. I'm retiring because Orange Cassidy is made to be a part of the fast franchise, the rock. I am begging you. I know you already know you guys could have already filmed it without my knowledge, (laughs) but I'm telling you kiss that money because you're going to sell at least three more tickets to see those fast movies. And that'll make up for what Vin Diesel couldn't.
2: I look forward to the fight scene between Roman Reigns and Orange Cassidy, where they just Superman punch one another in in the Fast movie. But I, don't,
3: I want to see them teamed. I want to see I want to see Roman Reigns underestimate Orange Cassidy. But when the Superman punch hits, which folks, I tell you, Orange Cassidy can hit that Superman punch. When it hits, they do it as a dual team, and it's just as effective. I, I would I would, would love a, to
2: see a half-assed Orange Cassidy. Ooh just ah uh, baby, uh, <laughs> one of those. Reminder, GCW Fight Forever, January 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the Big Gay Block, 10 a.m. to noon. Effie, this is one of my favorite interviews I have ever done. I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Oh, absolutely. I kept you here for an hour. i got to talk to you again later this year because this this was really, really good stuff. Uh, Let the people know where they can follow you on Twitch, on Twitter, all that good stuff.
3: Everything is F E Lives. So my Twitter, my Instagram, my Twitch, my Pro Wrestling Tees, all of that is F E Lives, E-F-F-Y-L-I-V-E-S. My new website is wrestlingis.gay. We are doing uh, a drop every month of some Wrestling is Gay merchandise. With some of the proceeds going to charity, we've already been able to donate, I think, $650 so far. So a lot more to come with that. Uh, it's It used to be an insult, and now it's a compliment. So we're taking it all the way. And every Monday at 8 p.m., there's nothing else going on, 8 p.m. Eastern, I watch professional wrestling on Twitch. So if you're tired of the same old, same old, come tune in. It's all independent. It's a lot of LGBTQ people. Uh, It's an exciting time.
2: Guys, make sure you check it out. Until next time, we're out